0: Somewhere
1: over the rainbow. Way up high.
2: Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now here are your hosts, the founders of DogsIndanger.com, Alex, Alexanian, and Brenda Bush. On AM 970,
3: The Apple. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we are live again on the air in WNYM in New York City. Gray skies today, but yesterday was a beautiful day. Hello, Brenda. Hello. Boy, does that
4: week go
3: by fast. Yeah, it really goes by fast. And I have to warn everyone on this show, okay? On the way over to the studio this, uh, this afternoon, I noticed that I did not have my glasses with me. So I am doing this show, reading my notes here without glasses, folks. And so, his
4: arms aren't long enough.
3: Yeah. So if I start sounding a little stupid, <laughs> if I start saying weirds that do not exist in the English Dictionary, that's because I don't have my glasses, okay? <laughs> so moving on to today's subject, uh, and as I said, welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Moving on to today's subject, dog intelligence. Or put another way, does my dog think?
4: Well, I know my dogs think.
3: Uh, absolutely, the my question is, too.
4: what are they thinking?
3: You think we're uh, somewhat prejudiced on the subject?
4: <laughs> a little bit.
3: How about the audience? You think they're a little prejudiced?
4: <laughs> I, I think we better. It would have been better titled "The Process of Thought" because I don't think there's much argument out there that they do clearly think.
3: Ah, so. uh, I don't know. That's exactly what we're going to get into. But you that's know, my position—you are definitely warped one way. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Um, before we get into the meat of the subject, why don't we talk about a couple of uh, housekeeping items, one of them being the uh, the subject we brought up about our great governor's veto of the Shelter Reporting Act last week. Uh, we've done a little bit of follow-up, and we have discovered from some inside sources uh, in our assembly that any kind of a, a veto attempt, uh, override attempt, would have to be led by, um, by the assembly person or the assembly woman in this particular case who is the sponsor of this particular bill. Her name is Amy Paulin. She represents Scardale, the greater Scarsdale area in Westchester County. Uh, we did speak. We had a very good conversation with her staff, and she really wanted to be live with us today. Um, her schedule, of course, with the election going on, what it is, we're going to try to bring her on uh, in a future show uh, she would have to be the lead person, so we're still looking at an override attempt. It's going to be tough, folks, but we're going to try.
4: Yeah, and uh, and and on that and other legislative issues, we're going to have an Election Day show. Uh, we haven't actually oh, set yeah. the date yet, but it will be before Election Day, I can assure you that. We're going to talk about shelter reporting, and we're going to talk about uh, possible uh, override attempts of this uh, veto. And we're going to tell
3: everybody who to vote for, right? Yes,
4: we are. <laughs> My dogs vote. <laughs>
3: um. Did anybody see the um, Stand Up for Cancer special um, that, was, that was broadcast on just about, what, everywhere on the planet? Yeah, how could you miss it? Basically. Yeah, It was amazing. Uh, last week, um, a few days ago. Anyway, it was pretty amazing. I mean, they had all four major networks. They had HBO, Cable, Yahoo, streaming live and uh, without commercials. All these networks gave their time up. And anyone that was anything in America deliver, uh, devoting their time. All we could say what, just watching it was and being, of course, moved by it was wow, wow, and wow. So as uh, people that are interested in animals, besides, and cancer, of course, but animals as well, we got to thinking, why can't we do this for dogs?
4: Wouldn't that be amazing?
3: Yeah. After all, cancer is the number two killer of dogs, okay, of doggies.
4: Yeah, human beings being the number one killer. Oh, yeah, that's right. Huh? Unfortunately.
3: Yeah, we mm-hmm. kind of little, forgot that one. No, (laughs) we sort of passed over the number one killer. That's
4: why we're here. We haven't forgotten.
3: Yeah, let's just shoot the number two. So we we kind of started thinking about this, and then we just started cracking up. We started laughing, and the reason we were laughing was because we just came to this. We just realized that. Can you imagine us humans pulling together for anyone else but ourselves? I mean, as worthy as the cancer cause was, and it it is, and how terrific it was to see the outpouring of emotion. We cannot Im- ever imagine anything, even remotely, the uh, attempt or effort that went into that show. I'd, love to, to know that how, I'd love to know anything but ourselves
4: how much they raised, and I hope it goes to real good use for cancer research. Puts a dent in that horrible tragedy. I, I
3: think I think it will, and I, I mean it was not just worthwhile. It was just an amazing event that they they pulled together. Could you just imagine if we could do something like that? We could eliminate uh, euthanasia of dogs in one shot. In one shot, think about that for a second. You want to stay up nights. Um, Another little subject that we want to talk about, and that is the Dogs in Danger PSA. The public
4: Um, service announcement, for those who don't know. Several weeks ago, we um, completed filming of a public service announcement with a great professional crew, uh, production crew and uh, director here in the New York area. And we uh, are in edit on that public service announcement right now and hope to hit major um, media networks across the country within the next uh, six weeks, four to six weeks is Ab- our absolutely. goal. Absolutely. So we're, we're
3: actually going to the studio right after this show. We're getting, we're getting in the cars and driving to the studio to uh, record the soundtrack to the PSA. So That's very those exciting. that are yeah. fans of Dogs in Danger, this will be interesting and great news for them. Very exciting. Uh, switching subjects to our Pet Talk du Jour, um, I've got something here, Brenda, that I have to read this. I mean, this is the political climate, about as, uh, as political as it can get. So I, in to stay in tune, the dogs kind of joined into the effort. The Washington – this goes, obviously, in the stupid but funny dog uh, news. The Washington Humane Society conducted a dog poll last week to let dogs cast their votes for D.C. mayor. There I is love a, that. There's an election for D.C. mayor. <laughs> okay. Dogs voted by – Casting two different colored cookies, okay no, while by eating, eating I'm sorry two different cookies. I told you I can 't read anything okay. <laughs> by eating two different colored cookies, one named for each candidate, okay the spokesman, spokesperson for the Humane Society, Sabrina Fong, said that some owners did not agree with their dog's choice, and even worse, and this is this was the dramatic part, okay, even worse, some dogs voted more than once, which is illegal
4: because they were hungry,
3: yeah, they were hungry. <laughs>
4: Uh, the real surprise would have been if the dogs didn't eat either cookie, right? Because then we'd know for sure they're way smarter than us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine that? If the dog stood in front of the cookies and said, uh, 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 not interested.
5: <laughs>
3: uh, it, it just really cracked me up when I when I read that uh, across the news wires and I said, listen, I have got to get this yeah, on the yeah, air.
5: Thanks for that tidbit.
4: So Anna, to on a little more somber yeah, news. Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday and we have a, a we have two minutes. Yesterday was a, a very uh, somber and respectful day of mourning here in the New York area, as across the country, for all the 9-11 victims. Nine years later.
3: Nine years later, yeah, and a lot of tears later, and um, a lot of um, self-analysis later, we were looking at, and we put up a link on our, on our webpage, uh, we've, uh, we were looking at the involvement of dogs in 9-11. People don't yes. realize that 400 dogs were deployed. 400 dogs, yeah. the greatest deployment of dogs in this nation's history to save human beings that were caught under the rubble. They went in there. They went right in there. And if you go to our webpage, uh, to the radio webpage, you'll see a link to some of the shots. If you see these shots on the rubble of, of uh, the World Trade Centers with the firemen and the dogs with yeah. the firemen. And one of the, most, uh, one of the most fascinating things that just crunched my heart was that uh, the dogs, after a couple of days of searching, started getting depressed. It was noticed by the owners that the dogs were getting down and depressed, and of course, dogs don't cry, but they were showing it in other bodily movements. And um, and the reason for it was because they were getting depressed; they were not finding live people, they yeah. weren't saving human beings. So sad. I mean, that people, people, kind of stuff you is. You
4: know, we have to remember that the human uh, and the four leggeds who served the country in those days and weeks—they were actually there for weeks mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. Um, after nine eleven and mm-hmm. searching together, hand, you know working and, hand in and, hand with yeah. their handlers and, uh, and when and people
3: hear that you know they don't really get a real picture they can't really think you know a dog human you know firefighter oh, how does that go to the web page and look at these pictures Okay, live yeah. from 9-11 on. Yeah, there's some amazing okay. photographs Just look there at the picture. of
4: some of the rescue workers and their canine partners. And um, it's on our uh, Facebook.com forward slash Dogs in Danger. There's a link to it as well with all the um, the comments that people are making. Mm-hmm. You know, and the dogs provided a lot of comfort to the rescuers during that time as well. So, you know, it's amazing what a lick from a dog can do to raise a crushed spirit.
3: Well, from that sobering subject, let's switch yeah. to our another sobering Hopefully subject, our dog next, number one sequence. Yeah. Hopefully the this dogs won't in be danger a crushed sequence.
4: spirit. Yeah. Um, our first uh, featured dog of the day from the Dogs in Danger website is sponsored by Jackie. So thank you, Jackie. Um, and that dog is Minnie. Minnie in uh, Paws and Claws Humane Society, Artesia, New Mexico. She's a little chihuahua. Minnie's a tiny female chihuahua. She only weighs four pounds. Can you believe that? Yeah, get, I can't believe that hand. picture. That's tiny. That's with that really red apron tiny. on her. I know. You, have to, you have to go to the, the Radio Hour yeah. uh, webpage or, uh, or even our Facebook page to see a picture of this adorable little mini chihuahua. only four pounds
3: she's like she's ready to eat you know for dinner
4: (laughs) she's got a little red bandana on she's very very social and super sweet she gets along with other dogs she gets along with cats loves them all they estimate her to be about a year old if you can help contact the um, artesia shelter 575-703-7297 and those dogs are always available on our website we have to go to break now but we'll be right back with our first guest
2: More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple.
1: Back to programming in a minute, but first, listen to this. Seems the New York Mint is releasing to the public classic U.S. gold coins. There's a number you can call for free historical information and a free DVD. But first... It says that during the Great Depression, people were clamoring for gold coins because no one wanted to face economic turbulence without the security of gold. The government finally took them out of circulation, and a government meltdown was ordered. That's why most of us have never even seen a classic U.S. gold coin. But recently a stash was discovered in Europe, gleaming U.S. gold coins minted between 1866 and 1933, all uncirculated. It says the New York Mint is releasing them to the public on a first-come, first-served basis when you call, here it is, 1-800-500-2314. Wouldn't that be amazing to hold U.S. history? Okay, if you want that free historical information and the free collector's DVD, the number to call is 1-800-500-2314. 1-800-500-2314.
2: Please. Every talk show has its niche, and it seems like Dennis Miller has found his. I
6: started listening to you, Never really had an interest too much in politics or anything. Never felt that I could do anything or right never felt that anything mattered. After listening to you for uh, a year and a half or two years, I still don't think I can do anything, but it's a lot more fun. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's what I'm here to do. The Dennis Miller Show, weekdays at 11 on the Talk of New York, AM 970, The Apple
6: AM 970 The Apple has an immediate opening for a full-time control room operator. Applicants need to have hard disk audio editing experience and experience in radio. Editing experience with Cool Edit or Adobe Audition and RCS Next Gen software is a plus. Email your resume to Peter Thiel, Operations Manager, by email to jobs at nycradio.com. That's jobs at nycradio.com. The Apple is an equal opportunity employer. Have you ever dreamed about owning your own business? Perhaps you're unemployed or just tired of working towards someone else's dream. Guidant Financial Group can show you how you can purchase a business or franchise without getting a loan. If you have more than fifty thousand dollars in retirement funds they can show you how to invest that money directly into a business or franchise without taking a taxable distribution. Because you're investing your IRA or 401k funds in a business you're not getting a loan. That means no debt or payments. Guiden Financial Group made the list of Inc. Magazine's fastest-growing companies in 2008 and 2009. To learn how you can use your retirement funds to invest in a business or franchise, call Guiden Financial Group for a free one-on-one consultation. Call 866-200-1313. That's 866-200-1313. Guidant Financial Group. 866-200-1313.
2: Barkable Radio, the dog's in danger radio hour on AM 970, The Apple.
3: Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back live on the air. Brenda just told me to push the buttons, which I had forgotten.
4: Works better that way.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, We're going to bring in our first guest. Of course, the topic of the day or topic du jour is dog intelligence or does my dog think? And we're going to bring in our initial guest, and she is Dr. Nicole Dury. She is postdoctoral fellow working with the Canine Cognition and Behavior Laboratory at the University of Florida. Hold on one second. Dr. Dory. Yes. Hi, how are you?
7: Hi, how are you?
3: You're live on the air on the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour.
7: Well, thanks for having me.
3: My my, our pleasure, and sorry that you had you were on hold for a little while. That's um,
7: all right.
3: Thank you very very much for joining us. This is a fascinating subject, and as our uh, conversations were going on email, um, it's an enormous subject to try to cover in a, in a short you know ten minutes. So it's going to have to be one of those uh, soundbite sort of interviews. Uh, apologetically, I mention I'm going to take on some of these subjects and um, some of the issues in the subject, and maybe you can uh, you could shed a little bit of light on it, and it's going to definitely have to be a little bit. And the first thing I'd like to talk about, if it's possible, is obedience versus intelligence. This is an issue that keeps going back and forth um, inside of dog communities, outside of dog communities. Um, a dog does what you want him to do. Is he smart? Or is it, is it nothing to do with absolute, you know, inane intelligence? How do we define the two?
7: Yeah, well, that's a fantastic question, and, and as a researcher, we don't. <laughs> we, we look at um, specific tasks. What specific tasks can the dogs do? We have a specific question for those tasks, and we don't try to define it as general intelligence. Um, we look at each task specifically. Um, so, for example, my research right now is looking at different types of training methods and which training method is best for each particular dog. Mm-hmm. So uh, clicker training versus just giving the dog a piece of food mm-hmm. um, versus a verbal uh, conditioned reinforcer is good, and, and which one of these are better in, in training each specific behavior. So I'm looking at, at um, right now stay as a command, mm-hmm. and I'm finding that just giving a piece of food is actually better than using a clicker or just using the word good.
4: Um I guess but. that would depend on the dog, though, wouldn't it? I mean, I think we all we all kind of agree that um, you know dogs who master obedience, regardless of what you use to get them there, um, are intelligent. But dogs who don't cooperate with you are not necessarily stupid, right? I mean, they might just want to do their own thing. I think northern breeds are well, notorious they,
7: for that. Yeah, they might want to do their own thing, or they might need a particular—just like a child, they might need a particular way to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen my
4: dogs, I think, what I would call reasoning, when I ask them to do something, and I offer them a treat for it, and they kind of look at me like, I'm going to decide whether or not that's worth it or not.
3: So— so. <laughs> right. so. Dr. Dory, you don't have a separate meaning in, a, in an analytical uh, basis for intelligence than we have for the common man. You use the same definitional terminology for a dog that we do for human
7: intelligence. Well, it, well, even within the research of human intelligence, we we look at different individual things. So so the the general in, intelligence normally scientists look at one particular question within mm-hmm. that. We we don't as as a single researcher look at the overall intelligence. And with dogs we're just really getting into this research. So it's it's really really new.
3: Do you find that there is any difference uh, from a breed specific meaning, you know, chihuahuas versus, you know, great Danes, you know, from a intelligence from a breed specific basis?
7: Yeah, the, the, there has been a couple of studies that have looked at breed differences. Um, but overall, they really haven't found any kind of breed differences. But to do a breed difference study, I, I published a paper. It's a meta-analysis, meaning that I looked at other people's research and then split it out by breed to see if there was a difference. And mm-hmm. there, there wasn't one in this particular case. We were looking at um, gestures, human gestures, how well dogs understand human gestures and different types of gestures. And um, there's been other research that has looked at training and specific breeds, but they don't. They either look at two breeds, or um, mm-hmm. they look at you know there hasn't been a study that has looked at all the different breeds because there's so many
4: different. Oh yeah, breeds.
3: there's like four hundred.
7: And yeah,
4: you mentioned yeah. you mentioned dogs and gestures. Research um, has, has, the research shown that that dogs are particularly good at at social cues from humans like gestures.
7: Yeah, that's actually what what our main um, one of our main questions in our lab. And there's two theories out there at the moment. The first theory is that dogs, just through domestication, um, as soon as they're born, they understand the human point. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we have found that actually it's a learning process uh, at about 21 weeks dogs start to understand the human gesture and I'm not saying that domestication has nothing to do with that obviously because you want them to be able to pay attention to you there's some aspects of that going in so yeah we, we definitely have found that dogs understand human points but they're not really good at other types of human cues eye gazing they're not very good at, at following a person's eyes, but they're really good at following your foot point. So, believe it or not, we we pointed our dogs with our feet a lot, and we might not realize mm-hmm. it. So, they're really good at that, um, and they're not really good at following an elbow point. Wow! And they're oh. actually better at following human gestures than they are, like a baby doll pointing. Wow! Really? One of the things. Yeah, I- yeah. So, so non-human type of pointing. One of the things that I found um,
4: really interesting um, and, and have experienced this myself in some of the research that we were reading is that dogs can distinguish whether a person is watching them or not and behave differently on that basis.
7: Yeah. So the, that particular study was looking at if a dog would steal a piece of food if you were watching them versus your back being turned. Right. And they found that there's a lot of sneaky dogs out there that as soon as your back's turned and there's no consequences attached to it, that they will eat the piece of food. Right. But when well, you're watching it and they know that they're not supposed to eat the piece of food, then they, um, then they won't do it.
3: Well, what about animals? I mean, let's, let's talk about animals across the board, not just dogs. We've seen studies. Everybody's seen Is Gorillas, number one. Dolphins, maybe number two. Elephants, maybe number three. Um, is there a pecking order, and if there is, where did the dogs land?
7: I, I, yeah, see, it, it really goes down to how, what, what particular tasks or features you consider to be more intelligent than the other. Scientists are, are looking at specific questions. Mm-hmm. So, so, for example, I, I know of one comparative study between a cat and a dog. Um, it's called a string-pulling task. And basically, if you have a string attached to a piece of meat straight forward, and the dog can only get it by pulling that piece of string, that's pretty easy. And mm-hmm. dogs and cats do this really, really easily. Mm-hmm. If you cross the string, so it looks like the, the string that's crossed, mm-hmm. uh, right underneath it doesn't have the piece of food, right? If you pull it, you're going to pull the empty. Mm-hmm. But if the food's right above that, you have to co- pull the, the piece of string that's catty corner. Mm-hmm. Dogs can do this. Cats can't. So, dogs the media rule. came out and said that dogs are smarter than cats, and cat people freaked out. Completely <laughs> <laughs> freaked out. Um, but does that really mean that dogs are smarter than cats? Cats, it's just one task.
4: It's yeah, just one and task, we, yeah. Dogs happen, to be, right, dogs happen to be better at that one where, task.
3: Where do you guys put, and we are in our last minute, unfortunately, and this is a okay. subject I could wow, talk about for cats. an hour. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's ten minutes, believe it or not. but. Let me ask you a question about um, cognitive intelligence versus reasoning. Where do you guys put the bigger chips uh, between those two categories?
7: We actually consider reasoning a subcategory of cognition. So, really? so you have cognition as the big bubble, and then right underneath cognition you have, you have a reasoning task, and there's different types of reasoning tasks you can test.
3: Okay, so, cogn- cogn- so reasoning is a so, subcategory, not a separate yeah, category. Correct. Okay, so who's teaching a dog how to do one plus one?
7: <laughs> Nobody yet. Nobody yet. There's lots of... Um, th- the funny thing is the dog apparently in science is the new ape. As far as really? right. scientific species, it's, yeah. it's a really, really popular species, so I'm sure it's not that far. I'm sure it's not well, that here, far off. Here's
4: a wow. little test,
1: right? Put three,
4: put three cookies in your pocket and give your dog only two. And I'm willing <laughs> to bet you he still knows there's one in your pocket, so I think they can count. <laughs> probably
7: or they can just smell it out. Right. That too. And,
3: and how's the research going? How how's your research going right
7: now? Good, good. Yeah. My research is going really 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 good. Um there's not a whole lot of research in in animal training at the moment. So that's that's what I'm focusing on is trying to figure out what to, what is the best method, method to train your dog.
3: What you mean what the, what the best method oh, for training purposes you're
4: Right for about. training. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah.
3: Well, you hear the background music coming in. Well, you know you're
4: invited to our do. house to test on the dogs anytime. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> <The> <laughs> willing recipients of Bring research. Bring the test tubes. <laughs> 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 Thanks Will for do. being with us, and we'll definitely thank have you, you back on you. to get an update.
3: <laughs> thank you very uh, much, thank Dr. Thank you for Dore. having me. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs> it was a pleasure. Thanks. Bye More bye. of the Dogs in
2: Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. The News, AM 970,
8: The Apple. 63 degrees under cloudy skies in New York City. Well over 1,000 people rallied against what they call anti-Muslim sentiment at City Hall Park in Lower Manhattan on the ninth anniversary of 9-11.
2: The group supporting the mosque held signs saying Islam is not a terrorism and stopped the racist war against the Muslim people. Larry Holmes from Bail Out the People movement says politicians and other leaders should be discussing more important issues such as the unemployment rate.
5: We will not tolerate it. This is just the beginning of the movement against
1: scapegoating. Sherry feels the Muslim community has been targeted unfairly. Mosques from Murfreesboro, Tennessee to down in Gainesville, Florida, where you've got the guy threatening to uh, burn the Quran. I know he said no, but you, know, you have a stoking of hatred and bigotry, and it needs to be countered. Scott Pringle in Lower Manhattan.
8: A bicyclist was hit and killed by an MTA bus late last night. Police say the unnamed 24-year-old woman was riding along Atlantic Avenue near Washington Avenue around 10.40 p.m. when she was hit. They believe she was riding eastbound on Atlantic Avenue when she was struck by a parked car's door that then propelled her into the bus. No charges have been filed. Across the Hudson River, a 10-minute wait for you at the George Washington Bridge heading into town. Lincoln and Holland Tunnels, I'm not seeing any backups right now. Belt Parkway westbound side of Coney Island Avenue, an accident gone, but not the delay. Also, looks like we have some problems at the 59th Street Bridge, outbound lower level. We've got a stalled bus taking out one lane, so things will be very congested. In sports, it's the Giants taking on the Panthers. First quarter action at the Meadowlands. There's no score. Mets and Phillies at City Field, no score there. And the Yankees will take on the Rangers later this afternoon. Your weather forecast, cloudy with showers possible this afternoon, a high 72. Tonight's partly cloudy skies, a low of 63. AM 970, the Apple is New York City's fastest growing talk radio station. Check out Curtis Lewa Monday morning on your drive to work and find out why. I am Bill Powers on the Talk of New York on AM 970. The Apple. Hi,
9: it's Hugh Hewitt. What are the seven reasons President Obama has lost the confidence of America? The answer to that question and many, many more can be found in Town Hall Magazine. Town Hall is the magazine for conservatives that actually delivers the fresh, intelligent reporting that other magazines promise but don't deliver. Log on to townhallmagazine.com and find out why it's the fastest-growing conservative magazine around. And take advantage of the special offer with your subscription. For fresh, intelligent reporting without the mainstream media spin, log on to townhallmagazine.com and subscribe today. Townhallmagazine.com. Congratulations on landing the job. Oh, I'm really excited for you. Thanks. How's your
7: search going? Well, job market's tight. I mean, I can barely get an interview. Yeah. And I've got student loans to deal with. You're lucky, you know. The National Guard paid your loans off. Luck? The Guard was a smart decision, one you can still make.
2: The National Guard Student Loan Repayment Program can pay up to $50,000 of your existing student loans. Get the details at nationalguard.com.
0: Sponsored by the New York National Guard. Aired by the New York State Broadcasters Association and this station.
9: This is Hugh Hewitt for townhall.com. Incredibly, newcomer to California politics Carly Fiorina is five points ahead of longtime Democratic incumbent Barbara Boxer in the race to represent California in the United States Senate. Boxer's hyper left-wing views, including her extreme stance on endangered species protection, which has cost thousands of farm jobs in the Golden State Central Valley, have caught up with her, and the independents and moderate Democrats are deserting this fixture of San Francisco and Beltway elitism. The arena is, of course, a very successful job creator from the private sector who understands the economic malaise that has descended on the country and especially California. Thousands of small contributions are rolling into her website, carlyforcalifornia.com, as a result, and she will need them as the union bosses will be going all out to protect their ever-reliable hard-left vote in Barbara Boxer. To learn more and to support one of the more exciting faces in the 2010 election cycle, visit carlyforcalifornia.com. I'm Hugh Hewitt.
2: Throw your friend a bone. It's more of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex
3: and Brenda. Well, we're back live from the studios of WNYM in New York City, as I said, on a great day. Wasn't that fascinating, Brenda?
4: Really, absolutely fascinating. And uh, I'm still, you know, if I close my eyes, my dogs actually um, don't think they have to pay attention to me either. So I'm not sure what that says, but... (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated and I, um, I'm excited to introduce our next guest, but uh, I wish we had a little bit more time to talk uh, with Dr. Dory because some of the research they're doing, some of the literature yeah. I've read is just amazing. It's just absolutely amazing some of the stuff that they're doing where they're hiding um, the food right. where a human being is hidden from the food and the dog can see that the human being can't see the food and once they realize that the human being can't see the food, they go and sneak up and they take the food. The second you take the barrier away and, you, and the human being can now see the food, the dog doesn't go get the food because he knows that he's going to be accosted for it.
4: They, they perceive a lot more than we give them credit for. That's for sure.
3: Is that amazing? I mean, they, they look at you, the human being, they see the barrier and then they say, um, you can't see that. You can't see that. So I'm going to go get that get that food. That, well, this that is treat. like this is
4: like the dog that's not allowed on the sofa, right? But as soon as you're not around, they're up on the sofa.
3: Unbelievable, right? They know when you're not. Looking. I mean, some of the stuff that I was and, and and I invite our listeners to do a little bit of research on their own because it's just amazing some of the stuff that you're going to find. Um, I I'm gonna I read um, the piece of research I was reading. It was uh, Virginia Morrell wrote a fascinating article in um, in um, National Geographic, and here's what she said. Okay, This is the larger lesson of animal cognition research. It humbles us. We are not alone in our ability to invent or plan or to contemplate ourselves or even to plot and lie. Now, see, this is what she's saying. I mean, this was an extensive, um, and she sort of, commingled a whole bunch of research that people had done all over the world, yeah. including it's the, a, it's a the really, Max Planck it's Institute. It's a great
4: article, so anyone who hasn't read it should you know, get the link to it on our website.
3: Yeah, I mean, it humbles us. Think about that. that. What she's sort of saying is that we don't want to know about dog intelligence because we're humbled by it, we're confused by it, and we're somewhat afraid of it. And so, therefore... We really don't want to know about it. And these researchers that are making small strides, every time they make a stride, we change the rules. We define intelligence as task X. If dog does that, then we say, no, that wasn't task Y.
4: I think it's the human researchers that are changing the rules because the human researchers are a little more afraid of the dogs rising up on that level. Well,
3: yeah, but not the dog researchers. I don't think the dog researchers are afraid.
4: No, I think the human researchers. The scientific
3: community is scared of the the Pandora's box exactly. that lies because if you came to the final conclusion that, for example, dogs and all animals, but especially dogs, really think and feel and calculate to a certain level of a 2-year-old or a 3-year-old, let's say, then how are you going to justify killing 3 million of them every year?
4: Right.
3: How are you going to figure that one out? You it know? gets a
4: whole lot harder to do that. As Absolutely. a society, a whole lot harder.
3: Absolutely, and with that thought... I'm going to bring on someone who I've looked up to for a long time, a fascinating person. Um, his name is uh, Francis Batista. For those of you that don't know Mr. Batista, he's uh, an iconic figure in the dog movement of the world. He's actually the founder of uh, Best Friends. So let me just put him on and let him tell us about himself instead of me. Hold on. Hi there. Hello. Mr. Batista,
10: Hi, well, you're too kind. I'm, I'm not actually the founder. I'm one of the founders. One but of um, uh, I appreciate that wowzer of an, of an intro. Thank you very much.
4: <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it.
3: We, we keep yeah, our
4: guests I happy. and um, I,
10: I couldn't agree with you more. The thing that uh, is so amazing is that, uh, you know, everybody knows this. This is like common sense, and it's obvious, but why we have to keep proving it, or the dogs have to keep proving it, or the cats or the rats or whomever, is what's said and
3: unfortunate. You, you know, you have a fascinating... I, I read an article that... Well, I don't know if it was, it was a blog post that you did on it, and uh, I, went to, I extracted a, a sentence from it, which I, I found particularly appropriate, um, and that is, I have no doubt that Teddy and all animals think, reason, make decisions, and choices, and experience a wide range of emotions. Now, my question to you is, why do you think humans do everything possible to not want to recognize this fact?
10: Well, I think, you know, I, I was, I think about this a lot, obviously, because it's something that we are all in, in animal welfare relating to all the time. And, you know, if you look at, I guess, the course of human history, our whole society is built on either the exploitation of animals and the use of animals, either as food, as machines, as uh, hunters, as for, re- you know, all, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we've kind of evolved to or developed as a culture, not as a as a, spe- as, a as a being, as a species, but as a culture, has been uh, through dependent in so many ways upon the use of animals. Yes, and absolutely. so if you turn that upside down, um, and you have, and we regard ourselves as moral beings, and that's part of our conceit that we have defined a morality that allows us in a way to. Um, expects us to behave in a certain way, but excludes the rest of creation, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. then you have to come up with some pretty weird constructions to make that work.
3: Right, right. So taking it all the way out, I mean, mean, another interesting sentence you said, which is right in in the tone of what we were talking about. When that is achieved, you mentioned, when that is achieved, meaning this concept that that, uh, all animals have some level of intelligence and we have to give them space— the public sector sector will design and fund a sheltering and life-saving system that doesn't depend on a universe of kind people, i.e. the rescue community, repurposing their lives to a task that should be given to a civil society.
10: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that, you know, I'm a rescuer. I come out of a rescue background. That's where I started, um, pulling animals out of shelters and off the streets and working with them. That's sort of the history of trends. We are... You know the, the core group that started the organization worked uh, individually and collectively in rescue. So that's where we come from. but we what we're doing as the universe of, of, of the rescue community is we're sort of trying to make good for the rest of society. Correct. We're picking up this um, thing that they, that's been dropped mm-hmm. um, and so conspicuously dropped and very callously dropped and when that's realized, then, and that gets picked up then uh, and animals are given and recognized for what they are and the, the sensibility and the, the intelligence and the feeling and the emotion and their ability to suffer and their ability to experience joy and all of the things that we value then either we have to say well we don't care and, and acknowledge that or, or own a, a level of immorality that I don't think we are prepared to do or we have to uh, accommodate that fact and build systems into our societies that accommodate the lives of these animals that we've chosen to include in our lives and that means protecting them it means making sure that um, they have uh, backup and not just based on volunteers who are going to do it in their own time mm-hmm. not just on the basis that you know we struggle for privileges to get into shelters or to be able to do something, but it's going to be baked into the cake of, of, a, of a civil society that these are every bit as important as every other aspect
3: but, of our lives. But let me ask you the, the critical question here. Is our society, is there a society, a possible society that can be contemplated, constructed, where this sort of uh, quid pro quo with the, the animals exists? I mean, as you said at the beginning of this, um, the animals were basically here, and religiously speaking, historically speaking, going back to Descartes, um, the animals are here to be used by us, to be you know used by us in a variety of, including nourishment. Obviously, do you see a path, or is there a society that can exist such as this? I mean, is that the is there the foundations for it?
10: Well, I mean, it's incremental change, and but also it's revolutionary change. And I think if you look in places where uh, without even going to the perspective that we're talking about in parts of Europe, um, in Germany, uh, Northern Europe, I went to the um, primary shelter in Berlin. It looks like an art museum. It's an amazing really? place. Yeah. Um, but huh. for a dog to be put down for aggression in Germany, it takes a sign off by the head of the Organization, the vet, the caregiver, and the uh, the animal warden from whatever district that came from. That's for one dog. It's not like okay, it's Tuesday afternoon. Let's put them all down. Right. You, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a level of of significance given to the life of that animal. Hmm. That's and and this is not you know germs aren't you know they're big meters, uh... they do research they you know all sorts of things um, but with respect to the animals that they acknowledge as their companions, they're pretty far ahead of where we are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of one of the stops along the way. But as these various animal movements, uh, whether it's, you know, veganism and uh, vegetarianism even, and uh, changes in in research, we are moving to a place where we can actually – accommodate uh, a significant change in this direction, I believe, because, you know, even research is not necessary.
4: Well, and I would argue that morality dictates we have to go in that direction, so...
3: Yeah, and, and interestingly enough, the Max Planck Institute in uh, in Germany is on the cutting, absolute cutting edge of um, of cognitive research on, mm-hmm. on dogs specifically, so uh, it's fascinating that Germany is at the forefront on, on, right. on all over the place on this issue.
10: Well, you know, we had a, um, at Best Friend, you know, Best Friend, uh, we have uh, you know fifteen hundred, two thousand animals at any given time, and uh, we weren't always in a position to that we are now. And while we were in our kind of you know earlier days, we had a, a vet that came in and. Uh, we did food trials basically uh, for um, a pet food company, and basically we're just feeding them. Do they, you know, do they like it? Do they don't like it? That kind of thing. And one of the the things that was part of that perk was veterinary dental care for all of the dogs in the sanctuary, which is something at the time that we could have never afforded. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did it on a one z two z kind of thing, but this was. Uh, dental care for all of the animals and it was done by the uh, head of the European Veterinary Dental Association and so we having this conversation and we said look is it true that in you know Germany or you know northern Europe
3: I think we're going to get cut off. Uh, sorry we ran that. out
4: of, sorry we ran out of time there. I oh, okay. hate to do this.
3: Oh, I hate that's to fine. do this to I you, appreciate but your I appreciate you Thank off. you so
4: much some 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 great thoughts from you today. We appreciate you being with us.
3: Okay, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Batista. More of the Dogs in Danger
2: radio hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. Dennis Prager here, the next Dennis Prager show. I am back live in studio talking to you about Five days' worth of news. We'll try to compact that all into one day. What's happening in the world? What's happening in America? What's happening in the elections? What's happening in your life and mine? All on the next Dennis Prager Show. Dennis Prager, weekday afternoons at 1 on the Talk of New York, AM
9: 970, The Apple. I'm child behavioral therapist James Lehman. I know you need the Total Transformation Program to turn around your child's behavior. But for some reason, you haven't tried it. Maybe you're skeptical and doubt that it will work for you and your child. Listen, I'm willing to give away a thousand copies of the Total Transformation to the most skeptical of parents for free. All I need you to do is send me your feedback about how it works for you and your child. And the program will be free. You get the program for free, and I get the satisfaction of knowing how the Total Transformation helped your child. Anyone who says they can change your child's behavior should be willing to prove it. We're going to prove once and for all that the Total Transformation Program works for every behavior problem imaginable. And it'll be free to a thousand of my most skeptical customers.
11: Limited number of free programs available. Call now 1 800 801 6582. 1 800 801 6582. That's 1 800 801 6582. 1 800 801 6582. Are you in trouble with the IRS? Do you feel like the walls are closing in? The IRS can garnish your wages, put liens on your property, and make life a living? Well, Ameristar Tax Centers wants to give you a free consultation to give you real relief. Staffed with tax attorneys, enrolled agents, and CPAs, Ameristar is licensed by the U.S. Treasury to represent taxpayers before the IRS. Once we take your case, in general, you will not have to see or speak to an IRS officer or agent. In fact, you get instant help to relieve you from this burden. You need experience and integrity on your side. Ameristar is a certified member of the Tax Freedom Institute. We we know your rights. We know how to get you maximum relief. If you owe the IRS or state 10,000, 15,000 or more, call us for a free, no-obligation consultation at 800-506-9363. That's 800-506-9363. Don't wait. Call 800-506-9363. AM 970 The Apple has an immediate opening for a full-time control room
6: operator. Applicants need to have hard disk audio editing experience and experience in radio. Editing experience with Cool Edit or Adobe Audition and RCS Next Gen software is a plus. Email your resume to Peter Thiel, Operations Manager, by email to jobs at nycradio.com. That's jobs at
2: nycradio.com. The Apple is an equal opportunity employer. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites, on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and
3: Brenda. Wow, Brenda, this subject is just so deep, so complex, and so many overlying issues. I mean, we just went from understanding just exactly how intelligent our dogs. We spoke with a researcher in the front lines, and then we switched to a sort of 35,000 feet overview, and there's another whole dimension to this thing, and it's all about what, how much do we want to know how intelligent That's they right. are because it's going to force us into positions and things right. that we don't want. All kinds of so consequences. So hear no evil, see no evil. In this case, not, not exactly evil. Yeah. but maybe, um, one
4: day, maybe one day we're going to have a society that recognizes the inherent value of uh, animals without us having to assign them value. And test I mean, how them.
3: do we ever find out the intelligence if all we keep doing is changing the rules so we don't find out? How do we ever find this out? I mean the researchers are moving forward anyway, and I commend them. I yeah. commend them in Florida. I commend them at what they're doing at Duke University and I commend them at the
4: Harvard, University of Florida. Yeah, some top Germany, research Max people Blank. out there. And we're gonna have yeah. them on
3: again. Uh, Brian Hearn Duke is one of the top people. We're Brian gonna have Hare. B- yes. Brian Hare. He's Hopefully in Japan we'll this week. Us, yeah. yeah. We'll have him on another show. But it was it's just amazing that we keep changing the rules because we don't want to recognize the truth.
4: Well, because the truth has consequences.
3: Yeah. Sounds like a game show. Not that we're trying to imply, great, imply that dogs are more great intelligent name for a than game humans show. No. Yeah. All right, we're not start reading your emails.
4: Emails. Well, we have a, a whole bunch of uh, Facebook discussion today um, on the issue of canine intelligence, cognitive learning, thought process, whatever you want to call it. And so we had uh, Selena writing in dogs definitely reason and make choices. They're intelligent. Anyone who disagrees is just ignorant or plain stupid. Jetta says most dogs are smarter than some people. And the next person writes in, "Um, I think smarter than most people.
3: Now, let me just stop it here, okay? (laughs) Let me just stop it here. Now, this is the kind of stupidity that we sometimes put out there as people that really care about the dogs that really doesn't do justice to our cause, okay? Now, let me just make this statement. The dumbest human being that was ever created is probably orders of magnitude smarter than the smartest dog that was ever created. And to say that, you know, even though you may say it whimsically, but even putting it out there that, you know, my dog is smarter than your, what's what's the old saying, uh, than your five-year-old or something?
4: My dog is smarter than your honor student? Yeah, your honor student, it's a okay. bit silly, you know. Okay. It's a
3: bit silly, and it, and it sort of makes the s- silliness of the whole subject, you know. And there's no silliness in this subject. I don't see any silliness. Are they smart or not? That's not silly.
4: I have that bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do.
3: (laughs) That's why I brought it up.
4: (laughs) We frequently argue over its placement. Okay, I think next we have uh, the next dog of the day. Uh, We do two on every show. We try to promote two dogs from the Dogs in Danger website. Um, Again, all the dogs on the Dogs in Danger website are in municipal shelters, and they're all on death row. The shelters uh, register the dogs that are available to try to give them added exposure. So we have in the city of Hartford Animal Shelter a cockapoo, Uh mixed breed cockapoo. That's what they're calling her. Um, and she's absolutely adorable with a big smile Wait, on her face. That's a weird name for a breed. What is that again? A cockapoo? It's, it's a mix.
3: I, clearly. <laughs>
4: I think that would be a cocker spaniel and a poodle. Uh, In any event, um, they estimate she's about one year old, 12 pounds, very, very sweet and friendly, great on leash, good with other dogs, loves to be picked up, very affectionate. Her legal day of adoption is September 16th. And um, unfortunately, at that shelter, that means that those dogs are at serious risk the day after adoption. So, if wait, you wait. Help, what does that
3: mean? Legal day of adoption? What
4: is that? Well, there's a there's a a, a legal hold period um, that they must hold the oh, animal. Oh, I see. And then the very next day that it becomes available for adoption, um, uh, unfortunately, in that shelter is is, uh, is usually bad news for the dogs. And what was that date again? September 16th.
3: That's Thursday, but I
4: would I encourage anyone who's interested to contact the shelter uh, immediately. And the phone number is eight six zero seven five seven four three nine five. 757 There are lots of great um, volunteer transport organizations out there, too, mm-hmm. so that if you're not in the area and you and, want to help. And please, yeah. please
3: go to Dogs in Danger if you're thinking of, a, of getting a dog. Please adopt. go to Dogs in Danger and adopt and save a life.
4: And you can find uh, this little dog on our website, on the Radio Hour webpage. Along
3: with thousands of others.
4: I'm sorry, she doesn't have a name. Some shelters don't give them names. She's number 155 at the Hartford Shelter.
2: More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. Homesuiteincome.com, the powerful work-at-home opportunity that creates amazing before-and-after
1: stories. Before, I was an overworked, stressed-out single mom, working a lot of hours, never time for my daughter, never time to cook. My days off, I spent running errands, you know, grocery shopping, laundry, all that kind of stuff. It was very difficult.
2: Then Cindy discovered homesuiteincome.com.
1: Now I'm home with my daughter. I control my own time. We live an incredible life. I miss nothing in her life. Every recital, every field trip, every single week I volunteer in her class, so I know her classmates well. And we live in a beautiful home. She's got horses, and, you know, it's my dream.
2: Earn like a CEO from home. Turn your commute time from 2 hours to 20 steps. Log on for free information at HomesweetIncome.com. It could change your
0: life. It's my dream job. HomesweetIncome.com. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. An innocent life can be tragically changed forever in an instant because of someone else's carelessness or indifference. Some people say personal injury law is all about the money. Well, they're right. At the Sanders Law Firm, it's about money to restore a beautiful young girl's face destroyed by a drunk driver. It's about money for three young boys and their mom, their dad and husband's legs crushed in a construction accident. It's about money for a single mother who was prescribed multiple medications without regard for their damaging interaction and is now seriously brain damaged. Yes, to the Sanders Law Firm, it is about the money. Money to compensate you for your pain and your suffering. The Sanders Law Firm, fixing the problems of families throughout the tri-state area. Call 1-800-684-1810 for a free consultation. That's 1-800-684-1810. Or log on to thesandersfirm.com. The Sanders Law Firm, experienced, relentless, passionate. We will fight to make them pay.
5: Are you in charge of a retail property? Has your storefront glass been vandalized? Look, I've seen my fair share of vandalism and graffiti over the years, and one of the toughest to get out is glass damage. Storefront glass vandalism can lead to el grande bills. But hold your horses. Don't replace your storefront glass until you've called Surface Care. They're the experts in specialty glass restoration. Surface Care can show you that it's easier and a lot less expensive to restore your glass than to replace it. Scratch glass, acid vandalism, or just years of wear and tear on your storefront or lobby glass windows. Call Mark Scope. At Surface Care Now at 212 972 8847. That's 212 972 8847 for Surface Care Glass Restoration Services. Do you have a frosty glass window that's old or damaged? Well, Surface Care specializes in frosted glass restoration too. Concerned about graffiti? Surface Care has a special graffiti security film that can save you thousands of dollars in repairs or replacement. Call Mark Skowar at Surface Care Now at 212 972 8847. That's 212 972 8847 or visit them on the web at Surface Care Don't replace your damaged glass. Restore it with the experts at SurfaceCareUSA.com.
2: No fleas on us. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970. The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda.
3: Brenda, can you believe how fast the hour went by? I'm shocked. We're in the last three minutes of our live airtime. And uh, we're going to have to announce that next week we're not going to be on the air. We have been preempted by the network for an NFL game.
4: Do you believe football. this? An
3: NFL game is preempting <laughs> us?
4: Well, in all fairness, they did, this. they did give us the option to do a different time, but we decided to take a break for yeah, a week. but
3: what that I means? It's an NFL game after yeah, it's all. It's football. Just kidding. Just <laughs> kidding. I love football. <laughs> uh, so we will not be on next week, but we will be on the week after. And what's the subject, Brenda? Shelter reporting. Shelter reporting, which is exactly what the governor just vetoed, yeah. which we've been all huffing and puffing about for right. now two weeks. We're going to do a whole show about why that's important. We're, you know, people may not realize it, but it's probably one of the most important things that you can get done if you care about animals. Right. Especially dogs. And that is report exactly how many dogs are in and out the door.
4: Right. The, the intake, adoption, and save rates. That's what we talk about when we're talking yes. about shelter reporting.
3: Sounds really simple. Sounds, Sounds common, simple. right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. It's not. It's a mess. We've talked about it before. We're going to do a whole show, and we're going to have... A, a uh, terrific panel of experts that are going to talk about this. And we may even be able to talk a little bit about at that point if, if, what our chances are for an override of the governor's veto. What do you think? We're going to be able to pull this off?
4: I hope so, or I'm going to have to move to another state. <laughs> I've already made some promises. So. Now,
3: here's the bad news. There is no—I've checked There's on no this. There's no state. There is no state in the union that has a, a, a law like this, a, a reporting law. Shame they have not. some lo- local laws. Mm-hmm. Some localities have specific—but as a state— there's not one single state that I know of in my research that uh, Well,
4: that at least where they're required to report it to the public.
3: Well, clearly they right. tell it to each other maybe, you know. Well, maybe to they their pass little secret notes mm-hmm. and then burn it after reading. Yeah. Why is it have well, to be we aren't such gonna a have,
4: We're going to talk about this in depth, of course, on the show, but we're not going to have any real meaningful change in this country in terms of how animals uh, are, are sheltered and, and, uh, and handled, cared for, uh, until we have some transparency and accountability uh, with the dogs that are dying. Uh,
3: no kidding. No kidding. So we're going to do a whole show. Next week, the NFL game. Uh, we're going to be listening to that game, obviously, and we're going to be chagrining the fact that we're not on. But uh, the week after, we'll be back here in our studios live yes. With live guests, yeah. as well as Jonathan, who's our call screener, and we were unable to take any phone calls today, and we actually had an, uh, yeah. another guest that we were unable to get to, unfortunately, but our time has run out, and we're a few seconds yeah. away.
4: Um, one of the other interesting things we found in the research, you know, when we were talking about uh, dogs being able to uh, understand social cues and gestures from people, is that uh, that pointing that they understand so well is um, is something that they can do as puppies, right? So they're born mm-hmm. understanding it. They didn't learn it from anybody. And apes cannot do it.
3: You know what? No other animal. No other animal. I think
4: dolphins can. We have, no. We'll have to talk more well, about that. We didn't get to talk about the dolphin research. Yeah, this is true. Amazing dolphin this research. But we'll be back. This two weeks true. from today, we'll be back on September 26th. All right,
3: folks, thanks again for joining us. See you in two weeks.
4: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.